we're fielding a lot of calls from business owners that own real estate and they're wanting to know what do we do here um what's the effect of this pandemic on our real estate you know are we going to be able to sell it at fair market value what does the future look like what is the buyer have to look like in order to buy it in an environment like this so any rate i contacted one of my buddies in the commercial real estate industry sam smith of resource commercial real estate and we had a, a visit about what does real estate look like today so let me tell you a little bit about sam so sam is the chairman and co-founder of resource and leads the company occupier services sam handles all the sensitive renewal negotiations achieving multi million dollar client occupancy cost savings he conducts national site ser searches prepares sophisticated market analysis assemblages and manages uh, manages the teams of consultants evaluates alternatives and negotiates favorable and significant economic development incentives sam constantly uses proven processes superior market knowledge and strong negotiation skills to help clients achieve below market and flexible lease purchase terms and attractive functional and efficient space that enhance employee productivity and shareholder value all that means is that you know what if there's one guy in this community that you go to for commercial real estate it's sam so i hope you enjoy my conversation with Sam Smith of Resource. Please welcome, please welcome. Welcome. This is another episode of the Defenders of Business Value podcast. A podcast where we talk about what makes a business valuable. Learn the tips and tactics to increase your company's value that only veteran dealmakers know. And now, here's your host, Ed Misogland. I'm your host, Ed Meisigland. I teach business owners how to build value and identify and remove the risks in their business so that one day they can sell their business at maximum value when they want, how they want, and to whom they want. On today's show, I'm really stoked to have my buddy, Sam Smith of Resource Commercial Real Estate. So welcome to the show, Sam. Hi, Ed. Glad to be here. I'm a longtime listener, first time caller. <laughs> As an entrepreneur and business owner, I get great value from your podcast. So I'm kind of excited and honored to be on it oh man you you've been on the short list i'm glad we were able to carve out some time to to get you here before you came on i i did you know just a few opening comments about your background so can you tell a little bit more about you and resource and how how you're serving business owners sure well i'm very fortunate to have a 40-year career doing something that i truly love i'd like to say it was great planning but it was a summer internship in September of 81, that turned into a 40-year career. Uh, we recently played at my company, a game called Cahoots, and, which is great for team building, and they asked me about my dream job, and I said, Chairman of Resource Commercial Real Estate, Central Indiana's largest locally owned and independent firm, and I like being David and competing with Goliaths in our industry. I enjoy helping clients get what they need, and I truly enjoy helping employees grow and excel, which are two of our core values. I am and we are essentially management consultants for our clients, much like you. We really try to understand the client's core business drivers and challenges and then use real estate to help enable, enhance, accelerate their business. Sometimes that means creating better access to the right labor pool or proximity to customers. For others, it might be more efficient space to enhance employee productivity. The key question today is how much space do they really need and where? Another question is cost, which is becoming more of an issue today because of the recession. 
a greater need today also is lease purchase flexibility as this is a very dynamic business environment and COVID makes these decisions even more critical <laughs> right. uh, to the ex- overall success of the enterprise. So this is the only job you've ever had? The only thing you've ever done? Well, no. I started when I was a young delivering paper, uh, you know, paper sure. routes and mowing lawns and, you know, shoveling snow and raking leaves and sure. in a garden. The, the garden just sounds pretty simple, but I had to plow the field in the garden. <laughs> we had tomato plants that were taller than the house. We needed two by fours. This is not Paul Bunyan. Yeah. I've had a lot of jobs over the years as sure. a kid, but my first real job was working at what was then Coldwell Banker Commercial, now wow. CBRE. Nice. Well, I don't know if I ever told you this job that I'm in, it's the only one I've ever had too. So I'm, I'm with you. You couldn't find out work either huh <laughs> right <laughs> right so so you've got a, a like like me you've got a slew of initials after your after your last name what what do all of those initials mean well i'm a ccim an sior an slcr and an mcr.w and they're all actually very foundational to my success and i'll tell you what each one briefly means CCIM is really the MBA of commercial real estate from the financial side. Okay. It's a training program that's recognized as kind of the industry leader for that. Uh, SIOR is the industry leader for, I would say, doing deals for office and industrial brokers. And you have to have a certain level of experience to achieve both of those. The SLCR and MCR.W are designations and a certificate through the Cornet Global, which is a corporate real estate organization, the, the largest in the industry. And those are really, uh, what it, they all mean is that I'm a student of the industry. I believe in lifelong learning and it's part of our company DNA. To be the market leader helps to be the thought leader. To do that, one must train extensively. It's just like athletes. It takes 10,000 hours to become a master at anything. And most overnight successes, as you know, have years of experience and training behind them. My goal is that all of our advisors have at least one industry designation, ideally two or more. And that's why I recently hired David Bickle to head up our training and coaching. He's a CCIM instructor and a Massimo coach, which are two of the, again, the industry leaders in in those fields. And we, we invest very heavily in training for our people so they can better serve clients. I'm with you. And I just think like your industry and ours, I mean, it's evolving in a hurry and being out front, you know, and it has its pluses and minuses, but I think it's, it's always better to be out front and making mistakes and getting better than, than necessarily waiting to see who's going to do what and then decide accordingly. And I've been, I've been really fortunate that my partners have just kind of let me tinker around and uh, you know, just explore different different things in our practice and i and knowing you the way the way i do you know you're in that same camp yes very much so yeah so let's let's move over to the pandemic i mean we're and that's what i was saying at the very beginning uh, on your introduction i mean we're getting all kinds of calls on with business owners on this this pandemic and the real estate and what am i supposed to do so i guess the first thing is the people that have the capital, how are they approaching real estate deals during this time? 
well, we've got different folks that touch real estate and they all have different ways they're reacting, but generally they're working together. So tenants who have had a disruption to their business have challenges and they've gone to landlords and said, hey, can I get some rent relief or maybe a rent deferral? And most landlords, many landlords are cooperating in that endeavor. At the same time, they're running immediately to their bank or lender and saying, hey, we've got this uh, COVID issue. It's affected some of our tenants. I need a forbearance or some relief on payments for a little while. Can I get a you know, three months or six months deferral of uh, the mortgage payments. And then the bankers go to the Fed and say, hey, do you want to buy these loans that may or may not be perfect? And the Fed's been very aggressive about that. So it's it's one big happy family right now, but that's during the time where we have PPP and a lot of money flowing. Uh, the challenge will be when the money stops. So right now, lenders are very careful about who they're lending to. And, uh, you know, I've been watching many industry webinars and reading white papers and trying to read the tea leaves. And uh, most lenders, it seems, are working with borrowers for, you know, deferrals and that kind of thing. And they tend to be concentrated in in affected industries like retail, hotel, assisted living, and some office. Industrial, on the other hand, has been largely unimpacted and possibly seeing growth because of it. The move to e-commerce would be an example or COVID-related, you know, equipment uh, needing storage would be an example. Apartments have been very solid to good through this entire time. Office has been impacted, but the real impact will be when tenants decide whether they're going to renew or not and at what size. That might be in three to five years. Uh, With layoffs, downsizing, consolidations, business failures, and work remote strategies, they will all have a big impact on the future of office demand and therefore vacancies, rents, and values. So right now, there are a lot of lenders that are hitting pause and looking at their portfolios to try to determine what, where they might have problems and the challenges, the money's still flowing. So they don't really know until the money stops. And when that happens, I think you're going to see a lot of uh, challenges for, for lenders. Okay. So what comes next when there's challenges for lenders? I mean, is that bailout? Is that buying bank portfolios? What, what does that mean? So, yeah, so the next step is uh, there'll be a, my prediction will be a federal bailout. But in the short term, the Fed is buying a lot of loans from banks. So they're essentially, they're even buying corporate bonds they've announced. So essentially, the Fed's trying to ease the credit situation by buying up all the debt, some of which I'm pretty certain is going to be bad debt. Yeah. And so you know, the government at some point is going to pay the piper. But right now, they are helping banks uh, keep the capital flowing. But even with the um, Fed buying their notes, they're not necessarily lending because, again, some of them put it on hold and said, we're going to wait and see. It's like catching a falling knife. Do you want to make loans now when the values of properties might fall by 20% in 12 months? So, you know, it depends on the industry. Yeah. Well, I look at, I look at a a professional service firm, like, like our brokerage and, and I look at COVID forced us to move virtual in a hurry. And like I was telling you, we, we haven't missed, we haven't missed at all, to be honest with you. And so I'm trying to figure out, all right, what, what does 2021, 22 look like if the majority of our folks are at least 
60% of their practice is now virtual and they're not missing a beat. So what is what does the landlord do in situations like that? Or, or what do you foresee things? How does that shake out? Yes. Okay. So first I would tell you that I think a lot of tenants without the all the things the Fed is doing and Congress did in terms of stimulus, uh, there'd be a lot of dead companies right yeah. now, in my opinion. Amen so, to that. And the, the bailout was for, you know, basically April, May, June, and then you could stretch it. But most people like, you know, my company, we've spent the money, uh, most of it. So it's nice to stretch it out, but most of it's already been spent. Sure. But there are uh, some state and city restrictions against evictions and utility shutoffs. So when tenants can't pay their rent, landlords can't necessarily boot them. In California, they wanted to ban evictions, meaning every tenant would never have to pay rent. And that's wonderful if you're a tenant. <laughs> sure. Right. Problematic for a landlord. <laughs> right. And so the government essentially would make you uh, partners in the stimulus package. And uh, luckily that failed to become law. But there are many programs like that uh, that, you know, are being proposed. Uh, and right now there are city and state regulations that say you can't evict. So there are many programs, federal, state, city, county, to assist hard-hit businesses and individuals. You've obviously shared some of those on your program. And that being said, if eviction were legal, uh, most of the landlords or many of them are working with their tenants and banks are working with their borrowers. And again, the Fed's working with banks to make this whole thing continue to roll. So you're right, maybe uh, not all the tenants have uh, or your clients have hit the skids, but I would tell you what I'm saying. 25 or 30% of restaurants, retail, hotel, and then, you know, travel industry. So there are a lot of industries that are going to be materially affected. And then, you know, use office as an example. If you're doing work uh, by remote, there are a lot of large uh, corporate downsizings. I think you'll see, you know, five or 10% less demand in office, maybe 20%, but a significant crop in office demand, which will, at some point it hits, you know, landlords, rent rolls, vacancies, the disruption if tenants go bad um, will eventually flow through to the cash flow, which will throw th- flow through at some point to lenders, which will create REO opportunities at some point. But right now, it's sunny days are here again. I did pull up a little information. There's a, a NARIT All Read Index, and it, they track uh, rent being paid, collected rent. And for industrial, April is 99.7%. And uh, wow. it has slipped to June uh, to 97.8%. Apartments, similarly, were actually worse in April at uh, just under 90%. Now it's at 97.5% in June. Uh, office collections were 94.3 up to 959 Healthcare, 87.3, but at 95% today. But if you look at, and those are, you know, like medical office buildings, but retails uh, yeah. was at 72%, at 79 and shopping centers, which would be more the larger retail, 45.9% going up to 60.5% today. So, and then you've seen all the bankruptcies right. announced in retail, the retail world. So this is all going to flow through, you know, hospitals, you know, have suffered tremendously because of COVID. They've essentially shut down most of the hospital except for the COVID ward. So all the revenue streams that they would have from oh, sure. surgery and, and other things, they've, they've lost that. So, these things will all flow through the economy. It affects GDP. It affects consumer spending. You know, with this uh, situation where people see a recession, they save money so that, you know, they're prepared for a rainy day kind of situation. But that's really bad for retailers 
and the general economy and GDP because people aren't spending their saving, which is good, but the, the negative is then the retailers and businesses that rely upon those sales are slowly dying. And in addition, governments that rely upon the sales taxes and the income taxes are also struggling tremendously. Yeah. In, in fact, we had a, a question on the podcast the other day that uh, they asked about, is it a good time to start buying up retail businesses that, you know, are, are floundering because of, you know, just the, the pandemic. And my position was, you know what, if you're fighting that Amazon gorilla, and if you don't have a novel product, I'm not certain you want to be playing in, in retail. I, that's a, that's a tough road to plow. And, you know, I'm, what are we, you're, I'm looking at your, at the, the table you were saying, I mean, you know, they're only collecting 80%. And I got to believe that they're, I mean, the margins are just continue to erode the profit margins, that is, just continue to erode in just about every retail sector, isn't it? Yeah, that's correct. And so I think what you're going to see is um, winners and losers. So there'll be some new concepts that'll fill in uh, some of the retail, like a mall is going to have a bigger entertainment component. Oh, uh, yeah. There will be rest. It's just the world's going to be different in retail. Yeah. And there will be a lot of, you know, creative reuse of retail. Could be office, could be some other, you know, there was just announced a recent uh, co-working deal in a mall here locally. And I did um, see that. Yeah, I think you're going to see um, a lot of creative use of, of larger mall space. Uh, you know, Lafayette Square is, you know, targeted to be knocked down and become an industrial park. So the world is changing. Yeah. Commerce is growing. Traditional retail is shrinking. So you better have a good concept. My, my concern with the whole thing, when you look at across, not just retail, but the other sectors is what's going to happen in November, December, January, when the relief runs out, what will collections look like for landlords? You know, I believe that PPP and other stimulus programs are temporary band-aids, yeah. potentially masking a bigger issue that could manifest after the stimulus stops. The, the biggest issue I see is how to get 30 or 40 million people back to work and those new jobs may be in new industries requiring new skills and training. Uh, my forecast is probably a little less rosy than what you know most would say. I I prefer to say that I'm more realistic. But um, you know, I see a U-shaped recovery, not a V. Right. Me I too. see a longer recession. You know, three to six years. Uh, I see more government intervention and banking and lending, and maybe a jobs program or two. And for real estate, that means a lot more REO property and potential discounted, distressed investment opportunities for buyers. So there's always a silver lining, uh, unfortunately, because of the distress of others. Yeah, what what does REO stand for? Real estate owned. That's where properties go back to, say, a bank or a lender. I got it. They typically want to dispose of it and take their lumps and write it down and, and move on. Well, again, everything has its cycle, but I'm, I'm with you. I mean, I think that there, and that this is one of the things that we've been talking about in our practice is, you know, if I'm 72, 73, you know, I decided, you know, to keep, to, to keep going. I didn't want to retire. I didn't have anything else to do. I love my business and I'm physically capable, mentally capable. And, you know, stock market's great. Business is great. Why in the heck would I stop doing this? 
I think uh, this whole this whole pandemic and then the subsequent uh, recession that I believe we've got coming, I think that's going to take the wind out of the sails of a lot of business owners, and they, I think that we'll see a, we'll see a lot of businesses come up for sale, and and that's a good thing because I I believe that when there's a situation like that, there are a lot of employees that have been displaced, and it's a a great time to buy companies, and that's what we're seeing. And, it, and to be honest with you, what we're anticipating that we'll see a lot of that because you know there's just if you look after wars and recessions, it's a great time to be buying companies. And with any luck, you know, and this segues into my next question: if the access to capital improves through the SBA and the other channels, you know, this is gonna this will be a real good time for buyers to. Uh, to either get into business for themselves or, or expand their business. And that leads me to my next question. So interest rates are expected to increase over the next five years. So tell me, what, what does that do to buyers, sellers, and investors that you guys represent? Well, advice would be refinance now, buy now, because the uh, money's cheap. Uh, right <laughs> now, banks and lenders are borrowing massive amounts of money from the Fed at 0% and loaning it out for a handsome profit, but it's still historically low rates. They have minimum rates that they require. They're not loaning it out at 0%. Uh, so they have a solid profit. <laughs> I wish they were. Um, long-term and short-term interest rates will increase and will have inflationary pressures when this is all over. The Fed's printing money at historic rates. Eventually, we'll have to pay the piper. Uh, that will mean higher taxes to pay down the debt. When the Fed stops printing money like a drunken sailor, credit will become tight or tighter, I should say, maybe not tight. But it will impact commercial real estate. Cash will be king. Those with clean balance sheets and lots of cash will be able to make hay. And I think that probably applies to your business right. as well. It does. If, if you're in a position to buy businesses, what an opportunity, opportunistic time. Well, yeah. No, I mean, rumor has it that, uh, like for us, the SBA is is talking about increasing their cap from $5 million to $10 million. And you start looking at that. I mean, that's a that's a business that's probably doing $20, $25 million. I mean, that's a those are big numbers. So, yeah. We're, so we're looking forward to that. Um, hopefully that'll get passed. But, but again, it'll, like you, I mean, this is all about risk. And we're trying to... It takes time to come out of this to see what the ramifications were, especially with if you've been negatively impacted by COVID, you may be able to to recoup, but it's going to take time to do that. And buyers just don't want, you know, they're, if you want to sell, you know, we got to come up with some sort of risk mitigation for the buyer in order to facilitate that sale. And that's the tough part. So hopefully the the SBA and the Nagel and the, the folks that, that are in that space, they're recognizing that, um, you know, what we've got to do on our end to, you know, transfer that, that business and that real estate to the next buyer. So as a landlord, you know, what are tenants and end users in the future likely to value most? If I own a chunk of real estate and, and there's been folks that uh, just did not, you know, it did not work out for whatever reason, and I've got some space to fill and I want to attract some good tenants, what, what, am, what are they looking for? Well, with COVID, safety's first, security, amenities, image, efficiency, uh, competitive cost because of the recession. Uh, most tenants want good access to highways and 
and amenities and then uh, and homes and, and then flexibility is a really critical thing that I think will grow in importance because of this recession. You know, it's a dynamic business environment and tenants want a little more flexibility to make changes to their space and maybe size of space. So maybe an option to cancel or an option to downsize mm. or a shorter term lease, things that can give them flexibility for their business uh, whose needs may change over time. Based on that list, I mean, isn't that what is new? Isn't this isn't this kind of like the standard list that uh, in good times and in bad? Or is there something new that's on here? Yeah, so here are the nuances. So safety is more critical today than before, obviously. And then uh, cost because of recession is more critical. In sure. a growing market, in a, you know, we kind of had a booming economy for, you know, really a 11-year recovery or 12 years, whatever it was. Um, now people are very focused on cost. Uh, cost is critical. If you don't manage your cost, you might be out of business. So it's sure. now a driver in the backseat. Now they're not talking about growth. They're talking about cutting back. So flexibility, again, um, landlords who put in tenant improvements and spend big money to build out spaces that are, you know, cost a little more because of cost of construction would like a long-term lease. Tenants would like to have a, at least like a, a hotel where they could get out uh, every other night. Um, so it's that battle. But I think landlords and tenants that uh, tenants need more flexibility today because the world is changing. I mean, if you track, you know, COVID and what's happening in the recession and, you know, it, it changes daily. Yeah. And so being able to change is, I think, going to be a lot more critical going forward. Yeah. And your amenities will be different. You know, the, we have, uh, I'm in an office park where they have nice amenities, but they've all been closed for forever. A restaurant won't reopen yet, yeah, but they're going to put food trucks out there and the gym's going to be at 50%. And, and the conference rooms, I don't even know if they're available, but you know, so the, the, what people want will change. What I don't think they want is, you know, a New York City tower where you're uh, 100 stories up and you've got to wait in an elevator for two hours, you know, on the elevator line to right. go up because you're up two at a time or whatever. So, you know, I think it's going to change where people put office space and, and, and not just office, but, you know, locate real estate. And I think you'll see that good for middle America and maybe a little more distributed workforce. You know, when you found out you could work anywhere and you're sitting in San Francisco, living in a shoebox, paying three times, four times what it costs to live in Indianapolis, could you do your same job in Indianapolis? We may not have all the amenities that San Francisco has, but you can live like a king for the same amount of money they're being paid in San Francisco. Right. Yeah, I mean, it. I will tell you, it is the, the big equalizer in that respect that, you know what, you can, regardless of the job that you hold, I mean, the, the world just got real small and, and we're all, we're all seeing it. And that's to me that, I mean, that's exciting. I mean, it, it, as crappy as this, this whole COVID and thing is, it's been, it's been pretty fascinating to see some of the transformations, not only from, you know, from employees there, like you were referencing the the person in San Francisco. And we'll talk about it in a minute about pivoting. Like I said, I have found it totally fascinating. So one of the questions I had was, what's the biggest threat to your practice in this post-crisis environment? I mean, what, what are you guys doing? Right. Good question. The biggest threat to entrepreneurial firms like ours, maybe like yours, 
is getting squeezed by recessionary pressures on one end. And then in our industry, we have mammoth competitors. They're all multi-billion dollar companies, global in nature. So we generally compete against giants. We don't have as many local competitors. There are a few, but it's us against the world and the world's best. And so our answer, which is counterintuitive, is to grow and continue to lead as opposed to shrinking. We have a lot of competitors and industries, not necessarily just real estate, that the answer is batten down the hatches and wait for this to blow over. And uh, we're adding talent that suddenly has become available. We're investing heavily in training tools, technology to better serve clients. We're staying ahead of competition by investing in uh, at a time when a lot of people are cutting back, cutting people and cutting corners. We see a huge opportunity where others uh, maybe see fear or, or are afraid to tread. You know, it's like, do you run from the fight in the storm or do you run to it? I've seen that Marine commercial, I think. Uh, so we provide value added services such as development, project management and incentives with research capabilities and market intelligence second and none. What we do differently is we're, I think a lot more nimble, innovative and flexible for clients than the global bureaucratic behemoths can be just due to their nature. It's hard to turn around the Titanic on a dime. We're, we also hustle and use proven processes to help clients maximize their investments and profits while minimizing risk. And minimizing risk is today probably more important than it ever was. We'll always be successful. We put our clients first and help businesses succeed, much like your business. Our mission is to make a meaningful difference for clients, employees, and our community, and we do that every day. I'm with you. And what it's funny you say that. So so what I did was and the millennials in our in our firm hadn't seen the movie. And you did you ever see uh Days of Thunder with Tom Cruise? Oh yes. I gave the analogy, it's like the entire world goes on yellow and we're coming out of the pits with the hammer down. And I'm telling you, we were hammered down and we still are uh, doing you know all kinds of things that when the flag goes to green we're we're at full speed and like i said that i'm with you you know as far as doing some of the doing some of the more innovative and things that others don't do yeah that's a differentiator and and i think like i said when we go green i think there's going to be a lot of people that are going to see yeah, the same thing that you're doing at Resource that we're doing at our shop. So, I mean, which which kind of capabilities, relationships, and assets become important post-crisis? Pivoting is the word you just said earlier. It's really a key word. It's uh, really trying to determine, is what we did before appropriate for today, or do we need to morph, change, do something different going forward? Being nimble is very critical. That's why you, you deal with a lot of entrepreneurial owners and they're used to, you know, making changes. And the key is, you know, the, the economy and environment is so dynamic. Being flexible is really critical. Having access to capital for growth is important. As there will be, I think, in, in your industry as well, huge opportunities for clients. Talent is really what makes our business and industry go. So that's really the most critical thing. It's the people. We've been focused on adding the right people fit our collaborative culture and who believe in personal professional development to become the best, you know, advisor or service provider possible. We also focus on diversity. We value the entrepreneurial spirit that America was built on. Our big global competitors, I would respectfully say that they're, you know, much like the U.S. government, they're very large, but they tend not to be as flexible and entrepreneurial. And uh, 
that spirit is now needed more than ever to grow our way out of this mess. So we, we need entrepreneurs to uh, business owners to uh, add jobs and to uh, grow. Yeah. So one of the things that, that we bump into all the time is, is the business owner that owns their real estate. So the, so we've got the business and we've got the real estate. And the question becomes in this environment, which is better? Is it better to hold the real estate and lease, lease back to the buyer with a, an option to buy, or is it better to sell outright? What do you think? That's a good question. So it's a little loaded. The answer is it depends. We, we have to ask the client a lot of questions. You know, that's a cheap way out. Sorry. But we ask a lot of questions and then do a pretty sophisticated analysis of owning versus leasing. And there are many soft issues behind the numbers. It can be a great way for a seller to double down on the sale of business by maintaining a nice cash flow from the firm they are selling. So not only do they get the cash from the sale, but they also get this income stream going forward. And uh, of course they still own the asset on a reversion down the road. So uh, maybe they sell it to them down the road as an example. So we have several uh, experts on sell these facts and structuring such things. And, and we, we get in, we'd have to ask them a lot of questions. So every owner has different goals and the goals really drive whether it makes sense or not and what their alternatives are for investing those dollars. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you from, from our end, normally we need the real estate to serve as collateral, you know, because there's just not enough collateral in the business. And if the bank can get their little hands on it, they're going to, they're going to clamp down on it. And so it always sent, it always seems to be no matter what, that the business owner ends up having to sell the real estate and and I, I don't see any way around it but boy i think if if there's enough tangible assets and enough collateral and the business is operating well yeah boy that i mean it it makes sense having that income stream you know for a prolonged period of time is a really good spot especially for a retiring business owner but if it's needed to sell the business i say keep keep the real estate or sell you know yeah all right, I need you to take a look at your crystal ball. So w- what is your forecast in the next few years? Well, uh, I'm going to be Master Damas here, and uh, <laughs> I see a extended recession, a Democratic president, higher taxes, more social programs, more regulations on business, a bank bailout, a lot of REO properties becoming available, higher inflation, higher interest rates. And despite all that, so it sounds like I'm really ready to go out and jump off a tall building but I see huge opportunity for entrepreneurial commercial real estate firms to thrive in this environment because of the many challenges our clients face. They're greatly in need of knowledgeable, talented, experienced, innovative, technologically savvy, value-added commercial real estate advisors who offer them creative solutions that help them maximize profits and mitigate risks in this dynamic environment. So we are pivoting our business to capitalize on that. You know, it's been said one man's trash is another man's treasure. John Adams said every problem is an opportunity in disguise, and we really believe that. So we're looking at REO, blend and extend, lease restructuring, consolidation, subleases, helping out lenders, borrowers, tenants, business owners survive and prosper. There will be a lot of opportunities to profit from those uh, challenging situations for a uh, competent advisor. Well, that there was a lot there. Oh, my gosh. So... Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I. I. Not that I disagree with with you. I just. 
you know, for the first time in my life, I am, you just sit there and, and you're just like, you know, oh my gosh, which way is this world going to go? And you have no, I, no idea. I mean, the, our, our current president continues to, you know, uh, shoot himself in the foot period, you know, regularly. And you look at, well, you know, how is, how are we going to be let out of this and, and who and how, and when we start looking at the, I don't want to say the alternatives, but I think you're right with the recession. I think you're probably right with the Democratic president. I, I hope you're not right on the higher taxes, but I think you're, you are. And, but, I, but probably out of all of those, I hope that there's less regulations on, on businesses, less regulations and, and better health care. I think... You know, and and I, certainly this is not a political show, but I'll tell you what: you, you solve healthcare in small business. I mean, you solve that's a real big, big, big issue that makes a lot of problems go away. Well, you're you're a business owner. I mean, you know the you know the the drill on. I write the checks. I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. Yep. So you solve that problem, and and there's a, you know, a lot of it cascades. A lot of the problems go away. You know, one of the things I, I wanted to ask you, and I probably should have asked you sooner, but at Resource, you guys do more than just than just the sale and and buying and selling of commercial real estate. There's there's a whole slew of other services that you do, right? Yes. So an example would be we provide development services, uh, construction oversight, project management. Uh, we do you know the asset resolutions. We stabilize properties obviously acquire dispose of properties, property management, you know, uh, capital markets. We do a lot of work in that area, investment, property sales. And then we do what's called corporate real estate or corporate solutions where we help companies across geography with their real estate acquisitions and dispositions. We can provide lease administration services. We have a separate group that does incentive procurement, also site selection, labor analytics. So it's a pretty broad array of services that we provide clients. And uh, we're now getting into the development business uh, as well. And so we can kind of help clients from cradle to grave, depending upon what their needs are. We just try to wrap services to help them make their life easy and achieve their goals. Yeah. Well, is there an avatar? I mean, do you have a particular, this is, this is what our, our client, our typical client looks like. What is it? What does that look like? Yeah. Typical client would be a, a business owner, a business leader. Uh, typically would be, you know, 10 plus employees, ideally hundred plus employees, but it, you know, we do a lot of work with small businesses and, and, uh, help them grow. So we, we provide a basket of services to a client that generally doesn't have the in-house resources. And, uh, so we can provide some really great advice as well as information, as well as services, and then free them up to kind of, uh, run their core business not be distracted by the hassles of commercial real estate. I got it. So I, I pick up the phone. I call Sam. Tell me, tell me the process. I, I get you on the phone after this podcast. I say, Sam, I need your help. Tell me what happens next. Yes. Yeah, so again, we're a lot more like a business consultant. So, uh, you know, there are a lot of people in our business that, you know, I call cab driver brokers, anyone can find space, but we really try to help companies grow their business uh, that's much more comprehensive and entails more strategy and services today to help them achieve their goals. Obviously, risk mitigation is critical today. 
and it starts really with a detailed needs analysis so we can understand our clients' goals and business, and then we wrap our strategy and team and services around that. I got it. so so it's it's more of a of a scoping the project, and then you guys figure out how how to move forward. Yes, and and with who and who are the right team, and we achieve their goals. Yeah. So at at the end of every podcast, I I ask every one of our guests that if they had one piece of advice to give our listeners that would have the most immediate impact on their business, what would it be? Today, I would highly recommend that they take stock of their business model, and that means evaluating their marketplace. It's likely changed, possibly fundamentally long-term. And what worked before, I don't believe is necessarily going to be good enough going forward for many companies, many industries. And so the question is, what are your challenges and opportunities? Uh, and it's important to determine what needs to change, what do you need to do differently in order to maximize profits and minimize risk going forward. And then you identify the right strategic partners or advisors who can help you get there. Got it. So, hey, Sam, what's the best way we can we can connect with you? Well, our, uh, my email is sam.smith at rcre.com. My cell number is 317-345-5616. And you can check us out at rcre.com is our website. And one thing you didn't add that I will add to the show notes is how active you are on LinkedIn. Um, I, it amazes me that you're able to run your practice, but yet it seems as though you are so all over LinkedIn uh, talking about and promoting, you know, a lot of different things about real estate and growth and, and all the things that we've talked about today. So I would encourage, uh, and like I said, I'll, I'll have a link to your, to your uh, LinkedIn profile for people to, to connect with you, because I, I do really think you do a good job at, at educating, you know, educating people out on LinkedIn on what you guys are doing and, and how to be a better business owner. So thanks for that. Cause I know it's certain, it certainly has helped me. Well, I, I appreciate that. And, and likewise for you, I enjoy your podcast and your LinkedIn. You uh, will share that there as well. And um, a lot of education and value for business owners. is Very, very helpful. Well, Sam, you know what? I've, I'm so grateful for for how generous you are with your time and, and all the experience that you have over the, the 40 years helping uh, business owners. And to learn more about Sam and resource, go to rcre.com. Sam, thanks so much again for being being here and being a defender of business value. Thank you for having me. This was another episode of the Defenders of Business Value podcast. For more episodes packed with strategies to increase the value of your business, visit DefendersOfBusinessValue.com for show notes, transcripts, and free tools to start you on your journey. Subscribe now so you don't miss any future episodes.